Okay. So Matthew 22 is where we're going, going to be at tonight. Starting in verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready. Come on to the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways. Went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as, as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in comest thou in thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said to the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called but few are chosen. Now that is not all of twenty-two. That's just a that's just a portion of it. But I want to stop right there and kind of take a look at this parable. So this parable, okay, is really a picture of salvation, and and really can also be a picture of not just salvation, but evangelism. And so what we have here is that we have a king, okay? We have a king that made a marriage for his son and sent forth servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, and my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come on to the marriage. Okay. So, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But the king, it says a king made a marriage for his son. So the king here would represent God. The son obviously would represent Christ. But then you also have servants of this king. Now, what you notice here is that 
these servants are treated very poorly, are treated with spite, and are eventually killed. And so now the servants could really be one of two things. It could be angels, which I think is a good possibility. But I think that really in perspective, it could also be God's people, us. Okay. And so this here is a picture of evangelism is what I think. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and what I think does not – got to keep in mind that what I think does not matter. All that matters is what the Word of God says. Word of God is much higher than what I think. But I do see this as a picture of evangelism. Now <clears> – <throat> We know that the truth is not favorable. Um, it's not favorable. Okay, it's not. And the Bible talks about how in the last days that there will that there that we're going to have perilous times. All right, so let's let's go to that verse. Um, let's see if I can spell it correctly. Uh, perilous times. Okay, so Second Timothy chapter three verse one says, "This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers." Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, traitors, sorry, traitors, not traitor, but traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power from such turn away. Okay, so all these people that I mention are anti-Bible, anti-God. And it will be these people that will hate the truth, they will hate God's people, and so much that they will put them to death. They will have them be put to death. And so I want you to think about something here. So in verse 4, it says, Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come on to the marriage. Okay, but in verse 5, now you take a look at that, and, and, and these servants are saying something of good news, aren't they? They're inviting people to come to the marriage supper, to the wedding. Okay, they're, and in our case, it would be the marriage supper. But you got these servants that are, they are wanting people to come to the wedding. 
The wedding is the good news. Okay? The wedding would represent salvation, but also I think it would be a type and I think it's also a type and picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Either way, in order for you to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, what do you have to do? Get saved. You need to be saved before you go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But you get these people, you get these servants that that are telling the good news that the 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 what the, 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 the uh, everything is prepared for the wedding. And in verse five, you see that the people that are listening to this are make they just make light of it. In other words, they just well, whatever. Who cares? They don't care about it. They just make light of it and go on their way. And it says that, you know, someone went to their farms, or one to his farm and another to his merchandise. Merchandise is good. Goods and services, which, you know, could be the equivalent to money. Because what is that? You know, you sell your merchandise or you gain merchandise. You know, what, what does Jesus say about 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 that well he says that what profit the man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul or what shall he give in exchange for his soul so you can't serve god and mammon you either you you know you can you'll you you serve one or the other there is no in between you cannot have both one of these days, people are going to make a choice. They're going to have to make a decision. Which one are you going to choose? You're going to choose God, or you're going to choose Satan. Now, and the remnant took his servants and treated them spitefully and slew them. Okay, so the remnant of those that were listening to the good news, those people took the servants and had them killed. So what does that tell you? Those people hate the truth. They love themselves. They didn't love God. They rather love the pleasures of this life. They didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to. They didn't. They they don't want to hear nothing but what only what they want to hear, not need to hear. Okay. So it's those people that gathered up the servants and had them killed. Which by that by that admit by that standard, I would say the servants would represent us, God's people. Because you cannot kill a spirit. You can't kill an angel. Okay? So we're starting to see even more how this correlates to evangelism. Winning souls for Christ. Okay? Because um, you can't kill an angel, you can't kill a spirit. But you sure can put a man to death. You can kill a man, you can murder him. 
Okay? But you can't kill a spirit. You can't kill an angel. Doesn't happen. Um, I'm saying I'm a lot. I don't know why. So when the king heard this, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will repay. Revenge belongs to God. It doesn't belong to me. doesn't belong to you. doesn't belong to anybody. That belongs to God. And by the way, one of these days he's gonna he he will send his army. And he will destroy those cities. You know what God's going to destroy this 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 earth with? Fire. Okay. All the elements are going to be burned up with fervent heat. Which should show you why we should not cling to earthly things. Because as a believer, as a born-again Christian, we are we don't belong in this world. And we must recognize that the things of this world are going to be burned up. To just be burned up. Everything we own, your car, just everything we have is going to eventually be burned up. One way or the other. That's why we ought to, Jesus says, we ought to store treasures um, we ought to store our treasures in heaven where no moth or rust could steal. Okay. Or no thieves could break in and steal. Sorry, I'm really not that coherent. So y'all just bear with me here, all right? Um, so the ser those servants went out into the highways. Because think about this. Where are we to witness? To We are to witness out on the highways, aren't we? The, uh, see highways. Yes, I know computer. Um. Let's see here. So we ought to go out into the streets and preach. We ought to go out into the streets and the highways and the byways and just invite people to Christ. There's nothing wrong with street preaching as long as you do it biblically. And as long as you're not belittling people, 
you know, because that's a big deal. You don't want to go out there and preach a good message, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's tainted because there's a lot of belittling going on. There should not be any belittling of anybody going on. Okay. Um. But we see. Okay, so. We see more servants going out into the highways and inviting people to the to the wedding, okay, and and it's furnished with guests, okay. And by the way, I, w- I want you to think about something, okay. They found both bad and good, okay. So the servants went out and found both bad and good. Now. Obviously, none of us are good people. I'm not a good person. Don't put me on a pedestal because you will be surprisingly disappointed. You just will. Don't ever put me on a pedestal because you'll just be in for... Just a world, a royal disappointment. Um, and don't, you know, and don't have the attitude. You don't want. You got to be careful that you don't want to be following me. You want to follow with me, and there's a difference. I am a man. I have my faults. I have my downfalls. More recently than than uh, than at any time, I am a human being. I am not any different or any more special than you are. I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a child of the king. I am I am I am a prince that was saved from hell by what Christ did at the cross. Okay? I am a screw up at times. I do stupid stuff. I say that to show you that I'm not any different than you. I am a human being. I have a flesh. I do things and say things that I ought that you know I'm gonna do things and say things that I ought not to say and do. There might be things that I may be really well meaning in and might say something that might say something wrong. This is why you check what I say against the word of God. You don't go by me. 
You don't take everything I say for truth. You take what the Bible says. Because Christ is higher. He is 100% right. I am not. And God will not allow that. God is not going to allow me to be 100% right. Which I'm glad of. Because I don't want to be 100% right. I am not God. I am a human being. I am I am Brandon. A sinner saved by grace. That is who I am. But the point I'm trying to make is there is no one that is good. But you notice that we see that there is both bad and good that came to that wedding. You see, we have no righteousness. I have no righteousness. You have no righteousness. All our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. But our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. And what did Christ say say about that? But he said to his disciples that if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of that of the Pharisees or Sadducees. Uh hang on, I'm gonna butcher it, so hang on, let me let me find it. Um see righteousness I can't even spell how lovely uh righteousness come on exceed uh see I cannot y'all bear with me while I try to find the verse If I try to type it in and make it short, it's just it's just going to go to the verse that I'm not looking for. Um, here you go. Uh, Matthew 5.20 For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall no, in no case enter in the kingdom of heaven. So how – so if your righteousness are as filthy rags, how can your righteousness ever exceed that of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Well, there's only one righteousness that exceeded that, and that was the righteousness of Christ. So if you want your righteousness to exceed, you have to accept Christ because when you accept Christ – you would be putting on his righteousness, not your own. And there's something deep to that. And here's what this is. When you put on Christ's righteousness and not your own, number one, you're done you're denying yourself. Okay? You're taking self out. And putting Christ in. When you put on the righteousness of Christ, what you're doing is you're taking self out. 
of the equation. So it's not you plus your works plus what Christ did on the cross equals salvation. It's Christ and the cross equals your salvation. Because you can't you cannot go to heaven on your own works and on your own merit. It won't happen. The only way that you'll be able to get to heaven is through what Christ did at the cross. Okay? Now, <clears throat> we see here that there was a, there was a there was somebody that did not have a wedding garment. Okay. This man was called out. This man was called out. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. You know what, you know what that is? That is you trying to get to heaven another way. Other than what Christ did at the cross. If you try to go another way into that wedding without a garment, you are a thief and a robber. You cannot go to heaven by what you do, by your name recognition, or any of that. It doesn't work that it does not work like that. So this man without a wedding garment, he got in another way. He's a thief and a robber. You know what happens to thief and robbers? Gets tossed out. So the king spotted, and 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 I want you I want you to know something. He addressed him as friend. Think about this. Who are the Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? Have, have in thy name cast out devils and prophesied and did this and this and this? But I'll say unto them, I never knew thee. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what? You know what that is? Those who claim. The name of Christ, and yet were lost and dead in their sins. Bragging about all the things they did for Christ, yet mention no faith. Why do you think it's called saving faith? Because faith is the only thing that will save you. And not just faith in anything, it's faith in Christ. Putting your faith and trust in Christ and what he did for you at the cross. Now. Continuing on. Then said the king to the servants. Bind him hand and foot. And take him away. And cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words. He was. Tossed in hell. And Jesus ends that parable by saying, For many are called, 
but few are chosen. Now let's continue on. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent down unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God and truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute on a Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Shew me the tribute money. And they brought him, brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. In a nutshell, let's 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 I'll make this real easy for you. It is good to pay your taxes. I don't care how corrupt the government is, you should still pay your taxes. Why? Jesus said so. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. It's good to pay your taxes. Now, don't tell. I don't want to hear no excuse. Well, the government's corrupt and they, they, they do this and that. Listen, you realize that Rome oppressed Israel with taxes? You realize that? People don't, I don't. I don't think people realize that. Why do you think the publicans were so frowned upon? Because Rome instructed those publicans to to say, okay, well, we want you to take this much taxes out of them, and whatever's remaining belongs to you. Okay, why do you think the publicans were like looked down on in society during that time? Because there's a lot of fraud going on, even with them. But you know what? People still pay their taxes. So I don't want to hear people moaning and complaining. Oh well, the government's corrupt. We we we. we I don't want to pay my taxes. Real, you know, tell you what. Take a few years and don't pay your taxes. We'll see what happens. Because it will catch up, and you will be thrown in prison for not paying your taxes. Okay, render on a Caesar what is Caesar's. It's good to pay your taxes. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, but then render on a God that the things are which are God's. Okay, so it's, it is good to pay your tithes to your home church. It's good to tithe. Okay, we ought to tithe. We, we should tithe. Even me. But... We also need to pay our taxes. Okay, it's it's I don't it's about that's about as simple as I can get it. It's good to tithe and it's good to pay your taxes. Now giving now I'll, I'll say paying your tithe is a little bit different than paying your taxes, and, I, and I'll explain. Okay. Because when you give to God, you ought to give with a cheerful heart. 
you shouldn't come at it as well. It's a mandate, you know. I got to do this and all that stuff. It is good to it is good to tithe. Don't get me wrong. It is good to tithe, but you should tithe because you want to tithe, not because you have to. Okay. Now, when it comes to taxes, we all gotta pay taxes. That's an obligation. We all gotta pay our taxes. I mean, you don't have to pay your taxes, but you'll you'll face some very serious consequences if you don't. So there is a difference between tithing. Tithing is you should do out of a cheerful and glad heart because you want to do it because of what God's done for you in your life. But taxes is something that we all have to pay. Okay, so there's kind of a difference there. Just want to make that clear because I don't I don't want people to think that they have to give because, you know, I don't want people thinking they have to give to their home church just because they have to and it's a mandate. No, God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, that's why I'm saying what I'm saying. Now, let's move on. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, with his, no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And the last of all the women died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said, Ye do, ye do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which is spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. You know what's really interesting? God is not the God of the dead, but the living. So when you've got the Catholic Church putting up all those images of quote-unquote dead saints, do you really think that those dead, dumb statues are... Are God? No, because those statues represent things that are dead. You see, Jesus Christ rose from the grave, which means he's alive. God is a living God, and he is the, he is the God of the living and not the dead. Just saying. So if that's the case, then there really is... No God but one, in whom is God the Father in heaven. Then you've got the Son, 
Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, but these three are one. So you really only have one God in heaven. If you're worshiping something that's alive, that's not God, you're worshiping the creature, a creature than the creator. Okay. God is the only God that is alive and is alive and will always be alive. That's God. Okay. Um, I got, I probably got confused in there for a second, so y'all forgive me on that one. Um, now, but when the Pharisees had, okay, continuing on verse 24, but when the Pharisees had heard, he had put the Sadducees to silence. They were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment? In the law, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, Jesus took the Ten Commandments and narrowed them down. The first half of the commandments deal with loving the Lord your God, and the other one um, deal with loving your neighbor. And it's those two that hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus took ten commandments and really, really just narrowed it down to two commandments. Why? Because when you take a look at the ten commandments, half of them deal with loving the Lord your God, like the first half. The second half deal with loving your neighbor. And it's those two commandments that encompass all the Ten Commandments. If that makes sense. <clears throat> now, last section, and then we'll 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 we'll, we'll wrap up for the night. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him, call him Lord, how, it, how is he his son? And no man was able to listen. Sorry. Well, Y'all forgive me. I, I'm just – let me reread that again. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. Now, it, let me just say this to emphasize what we just read. I want to say this in closing. If you remember, at the beginning of this, of this study in Matthew, we dealt with the term son of Abraham and son of David. Okay? If you remember, 
son of Abraham, was the relationship and correlation to the inheritance between Christ and the land of Israel. Okay? That's why he's called the son of Abraham, because it has that correlation to the relationship to the inheritance of the land of Israel. Son of David. Son of David is the correlation between Christ and the throne that he will inherit. Okay? The son of son of David speaks of our Lord's kingship and the throne that he will inherit from David. Okay. So to emphasize that's that's what I want to emphasize onto what onto what Jesus was saying. Because Jesus was saying, well, how can he call him, how can he be his son if he calls him Lord? Well, that's the answer. Because son of David denotes the, the heirship that Christ has to the throne. It's not the relationship, the, the physical relationship that he has with David. That's not talking about that. That's the, Jesus Christ is the son of God. Okay, he's not the physical son of David. Though he comes through that line of David. Okay, Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he will inherit the throne of David. But that's what the, that's what son of David means. Matter of fact, I want I want to encourage you to go back and watch that watched watched watch the beginning of this series. That might put a whole perspective on as to why Jesus said what he said here and towards the end of twenty two. All right, so just wanted to put that out there. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. That's that's all of chapter uh, 22.